This edition of Tiger Talk is with Valerie Simmons-Walston, Dean of Students at Bernal University, serving as Judicial Officer and overseeing all aspects of Honor Court, Bernal's student-led conduct system. She also oversees residence life staff, career services, the Office of International Studies, and the Office of Military and Veteran Affairs. Valerie is responsible for student retention, is an advocate for the students, and also a liaison with faculty. She plans the annual Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Convocation at Bernal and is instrumental in other aspects of multicultural diversity and education at Bernal. We finally got Valerie Simmons-Walston in the studio here at WBCX. How you doing? I'm great. Glad to be here today, Jay. It is wonderful to have you here. You have done a whole lot in your life. Tell us all about how you got into student services and helping people. I firmly believe that student services is a helping profession. And there are so many initiatives that come out of that office that serve faculty, staff, students, and the community. And when you serve people, it's really all about building relationships. And I consider myself to be a masterful network person and a master collaborator because I love people. I love hearing their stories. My favorite pastime is talking to strangers. And when that freshman class comes in, they're all strangers. And so my goal is by the end of their sophomore year to really know them and build those relationships with the students and the parents. You've never met a stranger? Never. Tell us one of the people you've met, a student maybe, a great story of a stranger you've met. Oh, I know one. When I worked at Hampton University, um, I was a graduate assistant there. And I remember when I made application there to go to graduate school, I took a tour of the campus. And when you get a tour of the campus, the students, of course, are your tour guides. And so we just engaged the student tour guide in conversation. And somehow we got into professions and why Brunel and all of that. And one of the students' parents was an astronaut. That's wow. not a normal profession. <laughs> you know, so I just wanted to talk to that student because when your one of your parents is an astronaut, you can't have a normal job, you know, yeah. and this student's major was education. And he really felt like being a teacher was an extraordinary profession. And my response back to him was there would be no astronauts if there were not instructors to teach people yep. how to be astronauts. So that was pretty cool. But I was more, I wanted to talk more <laughs> to the student. <laughs> I didn't care about the campus tour after that. But yeah, um, and I've heard lots of great um, stories with my students at Bernal. And the one that comes to mind is Byronica Banks and her oh, story man. when she yes. was here. Uh, and, and just the story of her grandmother as well, how her sure. grandmother was the caregiver, is her caregiver, and how Byronica just didn't let anything stop her. I am sure somebody somewhere is going to do a piece on TV about her. Oh, yeah. On her life and what she's done. Absolutely. Because she's doing great things now. She is. Challenges about what you're doing today. Dean of Students has a very cool sound to it. And you know what, Jay? It does have a cool sound, but it's really not glamorous work. It's very task-oriented, grassroots work. You know, oftentimes a problem is presented to me, and then, you know, I have to pound the ground, do the research, talk to people, you know, sometimes have some unpleasant conversations in an effort to get to the root of the problem. I like to call myself the troubleshooter. You know, whether I'm working with a student with academic concerns, a faculty member who has come to me who's just having a hard time working with a student and who wants to help a student. Um, if I'm dealing with conflict mediation between staff or between students, if I get a call from upper level administration that says, hey, this is an incident has that has taken place, 
uh, policy violations, I'm always the troubleshooter. Find out what the problem is and then move to a resolve. Now, here's the challenge. I'm results oriented. Mm -hmm. I want to solve the problem. In some cases, there's not a quick resolve. Mm -hmm. It could take days to resolve the problem. And in some cases, depending on the nature of the issue, sometimes there are no immediate resolutions. For me, that keeps me up at night because I want to solve the problem. So um, I would say some of the challenges um, is just knowing that I am doing the very best that I possibly can. And in some cases, you have to just kind of let go. And that's hard. I like to cling on until the problem is resolved. Well, it's like peeling that onion. There are a lot of layers to go through sometimes. Absolutely. And, uh, it's, it's just Absolutely. that way. I think I met you at the uh, freshman pool party. Oh, yeah. Five years ago. Getting our groove on. Remember Let's that? do the wobble. That's right. Let's dance. And, uh, <laughs> this is one of the friendliest and most outgoing people on this campus at Brunel. Oh, and Jay, you're so kind. I think you're inspiring for the students. The students talk about you, and they have a radio practicum here. They know who you are. For a school and a student services department to have someone like that, that's a big deal. Jay, I think that's a part of the role of dean of students. Since my work is not always pretty, and since sometimes I have to have extremely difficult conversations with students, I have to be approachable. It just happens to be a part of my personality that, hey, let's have a good time. Let's talk. But I try to have a good time with students and build that relationship, you know, especially when I meet them, because later on in the semester, we may have to have some difficult conversations. So I try to build that relationship and be as approachable that I can. And as a part of being approachable, Jay, you have to be transparent. Yeah. You know, I have shared some things with students that I just didn't want to share But I felt like this is one of those life changing moments, you know, kind of shared some personal things so they could know, you know, I can identify with your problem. I know you love to speak. I do. uh, In public. I do. And let's talk about that for a moment. Amanda Lammers was here and I told her, you know, everybody in student services should be on WBCX because everybody there has a great voice and love to speak. And Amanda's such a great boss. She just kind of allows us to we have enough autonomy where we can go out and kind of just do some of the things that we want to do. And with that freedom, our voices can be heard. So as far as the little speaking thing, it started off as a hobby. And this is what's really important about my speaking hobby. Jay, I suffer from a pretty horrible speech impediment. Mm. And you can only hear it when I get really excited. But I have a diagnosed stuttering problem. Mm -hmm. And it came about, I would say, in elementary school. It was so bad that when the teacher would call on me to read, because, you know, I always wanted to read, even though I stuttered horribly, the student, you could hear the student say, like she wants to read again, (laughs) because I would stumble and stammer over my words so badly. So I went through pretty intensive speech therapy. And even today, when I speak, I still hear my speech therapist saying, stop breathe and then move on with your thought. Yeah. So I think it's very interesting that at one point in my life, I didn't even want to speak because of the speech impediment. And now, like this weekend, I have to speak in front of a thousand women. Our sorority is having their leadership conference mm-hmm. in Duluth and I'm one of the speakers and I'm excited sure. to do that. Um, so my mother pushed me to speak like in church and you know you you see me I'm fluffy I've always been kind of a chunky kid and I'm a thick adult so I had a hard time speaking in public because of my size and my mother 
just pushed me, you know, you have something to say, you know, she would like make me speak in church and it bothered me, but I'm glad that she pushed me to do that. I don't know if you know this, Jay, but speaking in public is the number one fear. Sure. Of oh, yeah. So that's one of the reasons why I do Toastmasters, because I want to coach other people and teach them how to speak publicly. I also like to write speeches for others. And one of my favorite things to do is if somebody has a speaking engagement and they know what they want to say, but they don't quite know how to say it. Mm -hmm. I'll say to them, you tell me what you want to say. And then we'll develop some bullet points and then I can take their thoughts and craft the most amazing speech. And then I can sit in the audience and say, and nobody has to know. I'm like the ghost speech writer. I love doing that because it empowers people to know that they can do it too. And also, you know, you could have wonderful ideas, but if you can't get them out, oftentimes that can be frustrating. So just to be able to help others get their message across. And then something else in that Toastmasters curriculum is mastering the art of critical conversations, how to terminate somebody, how to do a conflict mediation. So although Toastmasters is a public speaking organization, lots of those skill sets has has really helped me in the role of being dean of students. I appreciate that story. Who would know that? Right. How about that? Right. Switching gears, you know, Bernal had a great homecoming this year. I know a lot of people get together to plan this with student services and a whole lot of other folks. I know the athletics department does a lot with homecoming and planning it, but it's it's almost the perfect partnership or synergy between student services, the alumni office, um, and athletics. Yeah. And so if you look on the front lawn at a certain time, you'd see the athletic department, cheerleaders over there on one end, and then the pumpkin contest and the parent. Did you see the parent-student tug of war? Yes, I did. Amazing. That was great. I hate to say it, but it was the fathers against the daughters. The daughters kind of of beat their fathers. Did you see that? It was was hilarious. It was kind of scary at first because nobody wanted to really, it's really stacked against somebody. Well, I thought, I don't know. As I watched it, I thought, okay, we have six men and probably 10 female students, but those students were athletes. Yeah. So I think maybe the dads were trying to go easy on them. But in the end, those girls exhibited some real girl power. Sure. So, yeah. And I think I saw somebody's grandfather out there, too, (laughs) on the tug of war. So they loved it. That was just great. It was great to see some alum come back to their alma mater. You know, there's so many people who beloved Brunel University. The highlight for me was going to the Hall of Fame luncheon. Yeah. To hear the stories of the inductees. You know, the people who were inducted into the Hall of Fame, phenomenal. Best experience that I've had in quite a long time. Don't you think him seeing that is just more than you ever think it's going to be? Well, number one, it's just a blessing to work with Missy Lockstanford on anything. She and Mike, they do such a great job. But what's so funny about this event, and I would be curious to know your experience. Missy and Mike, Mike planned this event down to the most minute detail. You know, they gave me a script. I said, Missy, don't give me a script. I'm not going to read your script. Don't waste your time. You know, I'm not a script kind of girl. So she very kindly wrote a script for me and everything was down to the minute. It was so organized. Just reading the bios of the inductees. It was just amazing. But once you get there, things just happen. 
So the luncheon was great. Hearing about all the accomplishments of the inductees and what they've done since they left Bernal. They gave some great Bernal stories. But for me, the best part of the Hall of Fame luncheon is right toward the end when I attempted to close the luncheon out. So you could, you know, you kind of know when it's time to close out. Right. I want to thank everybody right. for coming. This has been such a great event. And, you know, I'm on with my remarks. And then a gentleman raised his hand in the audience. And I thought, oh, OK, well, and from the mic, I said, well, it looks like somebody has something they want to say. Sir, what is your name? So he stood up. He gave his name. And then he said, there are more people here than just the inductees of those who were athletes for Doc Kennedy. He was one of the inductees. Right. Some of their friends are sure. here and other people who competed with them. Can we recognize them? So those people stood up and the audience erupted with, you know, laughter and clapping. So that was great. I thought so wonderful. So then I went back to attempt to try to close, you know, the, going on with the closing remarks. And then this sweet little lady, Doc Kennedy's wife, she raised her little hand and I said, oh, would you like to say something? Yes. So she comes to the mic and she talked about the milestones that she and her husband had gone through this year. Mm -hmm. um, some sickness. They are celebrating 50 years being married together. Mm -hmm. And wow. she talked about it's been such a good year for us. But by far, their experience at Bernal and the love that has been shown to Doc Kennedy being inducted into this Hall of Fame was by far the best experience. And she talked about how it's so important to tell the people who we love that we love them. And she just thanked him. I was almost in tears like, oh, my goodness, I love this woman. You know, and I'm glad that she interrupted. Yeah, because that was a great interruption. So then she sat down and I'm just here to tell you after she sat down, Dr. Schrader had comments. Mike Lockstanford had comments. <laughs> I thought, OK, this whole event has gone rogue and I love it. There was no structure at the end. But in life, you have to be the type of person who's flexible enough to just roll with it. So the best part for me was the part at the end that was unorganized, unscripted, and um, just a lot of love in the room. Doc Kennedy, he was the oldest inductee. He pulled me to the side. And I'm not sure why he told me this fact, but I'm just amazed. He said, did you know the father, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., spoke here at Bernal University, you know, in the 60s or the 70s. Um, and he just talked about how phenomenal it was to have an icon like that speak on our campus when he was employed here. And he was just saying all that to talk about how wonderful our campus is. The halls of Bernal University hold so much history. So I was just amazed. So I need to talk to, you know, Debbie's our archive person. I need to I need to know factual information. You know, I plan that event. I know. So I need to know factual information about that. I, I was just amazed. That. See? I did I had no Facts idea. You don't know. There's a picture somewhere. We gotta has to figure be. that out. Has to be a picture somewhere. Well, Valerie Simmons Walston, your whole story is inspiring and uh, just it, it makes everybody feel good whenever you're around. And so glad you came up to WBCX on Tiger Talk. And we come back. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Valerie. All right. Thank you for oh. having me.